True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, among others. They'll do all of that so you can do literally anything else. You have better things to do with your free time than focus on your lawn care. Let True Green take care of all the hard work it takes to get a great lawn while you take care of everything else on your to-do list. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which gives you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. Think about how hard it is to manage our fantasy baseball teams. You need all the time you can get to put in waiver wire claims, fab bids, send out trades, and set your lineups. You'll have that extra time when True Green is taking care of your lawn. You do you, let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, guaranteed. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. High drive, center field, hit the wall, grand slam. This is magnificent. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. Everyone, everybody, and welcome into Fantasy Baseball Today. Frank Sample joined by Scott White. Yes, I am eating my hat because Fernando Tatis returned on Friday and he returned with a bang. He hit a home run in his first game. Ah, Scott, don't tell the people that you're going to eat your hat if something is going to happen because next thing you know, you're eating your hat. What's going on, Scott? (laughs) I'm sure I've used that before, that expression, and never followed up on it to even know if, if it happened or not. I don't know. They were, they really held you to this one. See, the thing is, the time frame was too short. So nobody was allowed to forget about it. I think that's where you went wrong. Yeah, I mean, as soon as it happened, basically, rumors started coming out. Well, Fernando Tatis is going to return in the shortest stay possible on the IL, whatever, the minimum days, 10 days. People start tweeting at me, emailing in, YouTube comments left and right. And to be fair... I was, I told Scott this right before we started, I went around my neighborhood. I was trying to find bakery related items that were in the shape of a baseball cap to eat it on, on the show, on the podcast. There's nothing. There was just nothing around. I tried. So well, I, I don't think that's what you meant, Frank. You meant <laughs> literally the hat like that you well, wear on your hat. I was just eating it. I mean, why do you think I started the show oh, like okay. that? <laughs> yeah. I, you, you, were, you seem to be trying so hard. I'm trying, man. I am trying. Uh, It was a crazy weekend. We are going to try to recap as much as we possibly can. We have waiver ads for hitters, starting pitchers, potential drops, starter sit. What is going on with these slumping hitters? Glaber Torres. I mean, the guy just looks completely lost right now. We have Sparps that you may want to add and start in a head-to-head points league. Fernando Tatis, by the way, yes, while he hit a home run, it was awesome on Friday. He's won for 13 in his first three games back, so... You know, I, I still might be right at some point here, Scott, because I still think it was too soon for him to return. But whatever, enough of Fernando Tatis. We know he's awesome. Oh, my good, goodness gracious. What do you got, Scott? Oh, my goodness gracious from the weekend, my friend. Uh, well, really, it was it was a whole week of good things for a man by the name of Joey Votto. And I think telegraphed this a little bit. Um, Joey Votto catching fire because even when he was you know, really struggling to begin the season, the, the expected stats, they looked like MVP calendar uh, caliber. 
Um, and then he had an awesome week where he hit three home runs. He hit three doubles, including today on Sunday. I think he hit, uh, he hit two doubles just in that game. So he's been on fire. And uh, right now his expected stats, a 342 batting average, a 708 slugging percentage. So they look even better. He had, I believe it was eight home runs, uh, basically in the month of September. The cutoff might not have been exactly that, but he was he finished strong with the power, and he said, he, you know, that's he he made a concerted effort to do that to hit for power after feeling like he was selling out for contact the last couple of years because in that near MVP season, uh, the strikeout to walk ratio was so good. He said he wanted to hit for more power. And uh, the, the the funny thing about that is he's striking out less than 15% of the time, so a lower rate than he even normally does, and, and yet the power seems to be there. So I, I think Vado needs to be picked up everywhere, I think, based on last year's finish, his stated goals, and, and the way it started out here. There's a chance he could have one last chapter of, of great production that propels him to the Hall of Fame. And uh, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Joey Votto, three more hits on Sunday, including two doubles, which you mentioned. Scotty also had two RBI. He was basically the Reds' entire offense against Shane Bieber. So that's what makes it even more impressive. He did it against well, Shane Bieber. Not exactly, Bieber. Frank. Not exactly. You know what? who else was offense against Shane Bieber? Oh, was it your boy Tyler Naquin? <laughs> my, <laughs> unfortunately, my uh, I guess I have to claim him, boy. <laughs> Tyler Naquin. Yeah, who was... Yeah, he homered off. He homered off Shane on a great day for Shane Bieber. By the way, thirteen strikeouts, twenty-five swinging strikes. I mean, ridiculous. Got to win. Got to win. Win eight innings. Um, but yeah, Tyler Naquin homered again, finally, and actually has started three of the past four games. So maybe, uh, maybe we shouldn't wash our hands of Tyler Naquin just yet. Okay, so we hold on to Tyler Naquin, probably in those deeper leagues with five outfielders, of course. Uh, Joey Votto, 57% rostered on CBS. Scott, I dropped CJ Crone for him in my home league, which is a head-to-head points league. Would you have done the same thing? Yes, I would have. Would you drop Andrew Vaughn for Joey Votto? Yeah, yeah, probably. If it came to that, sure. Last one I'll ask you about, Miguel Sano. Of course, the Twins are dealing with a COVID situation of their own right now. Would you drop Miguel Sano for Joey Votto? Say yes, I would. I mean, it's much easier to do in a points league because obviously Sano strikes out so much there. But even in a roto league with that kind of power upside, you're you're making the move. Yeah, I'm making the move. I mean, it's kind of a Vaughn situation where um, I'd rather hold on to him. But I, I feel like he's unstartable right now. Uh, Oh, my goodness gracious, for me. I was at the Yankee game on Friday, unfortunately. What a weekend of baseball, Yankee baseball. Get swept by the Tampa Bay Rays. And, Scott, I fully understand why people hate the Yankees and their fans. I'm at the game. I don't know if you saw this clip, but the fans just start throwing baseballs on the field in the eighth inning. It was just, there's probably 20 baseballs on the field, just being sore losers that you're losing to Tampa Bay while they're playing defense. You make them go and collect all these baseballs. It was actually hilarious at the time because I was intoxicated, but in hindsight, I was like, all right, well, this is pretty messed up and we're being sore losers. So that's my actual, oh my goodness gracious moment from the weekend. But Marcus Stroman, I got to highlight this guy uh, because at the Rockies on Sunday in Coors Field, 
Eight innings pitched, three hits, one earned run, one walk, five strikeouts, only 10 whiffs on 90 pitches. His first three starts of the season, two earned runs, only 11 strikeouts across 20 innings pitched. So that's not a great ratio or anything, but only three walks as well. Something that has held Stroman back in the past is he would walk too many batters and not get enough swings and misses. So if he's still pitching to contact now, but walking batters less than ever before, I feel like he could be in for a career season in terms of whip, at least. Uh, And that's a category that has held him back in the past. So still not getting a lot of strikeouts. He entered Sunday with a 65% ground ball rate. He had 57 points in the podcast league this week. If you play head-to-head points scoring on the CBS site, 57 points in a two-start week. Scott, would you consider selling high on Marcus Stroman right now? I kind of just like what I'm seeing from him. What do you think? I would consider selling high. Yeah, I mean, we have enough of a track record that I feel like I'm... I get what you're saying. Like, maybe maybe he has a career year in terms of control, but that, that's probably not going to happen. And so, he'll be an innings eater. He'll have a kind of a high whip, a low strikeout rate. Okay, ERA. I mean, that's obviously a useful pitcher, but right now, coming off the week he just had and, and the three starts total that he's just had, he looks like a world beater. And uh, I think that's an appropriate time to shop him. Yeah. I, you know, I got to remember the emphasis when you're selling high is on the high. Yeah. Don't just not s- on the sell. People, it's a good point you bring up, Scott, because people here sell high and they're like, well, I just need to trade. I got to get rid of mm-hmm. him. I got to wash my hands of this player. I got to get any type of value while I can. That's not necessarily right. the case. I mean, no. Stroman might just be a really good SP3, SP4 rest of season. And, there's no issue with that. It's just we know he's not going to maintain a sub-2 ERA for the rest of the year. So that is the, of course, selling high part of it. I do like that he's changed up his pitch mix a little bit this year, Scott. He's using this split-finger changeup. He's uh, he's throwing some of his breaking pitches a little bit more as well and something that he said he was going to do. So he has a, a deeper arsenal. And, of course, I think when we say sell high, some of those prime buy-low candidates come to mind, like Jesus Lozardo. That's a move you would make if you could, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, that combo of buy low, sell high. Uh, I'd be down for that. Would you Somebody do it like, for? Would you do it for Paddock? Would you trade your Stroman for Chris Paddock? No, I don't think. I, I don't think I'd do that. And and we've talked about Paddock a lot, and there are some concerns there that go deeper than just what the numbers look like right now. And and so that's the like Paddock is the one player, maybe maybe the one and only player, um, where. I don't think you can drop him yet. I don't think you can drop him yet, but I don't want to start him right now, and I'm not confident he's going to turn things around. I just think you're kind of stuck with him for at least a couple more turns. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he's somebody we talked about last week, whatever you could get a value. I'd, I would aim higher than Stroman, personally. I could see making that deal, Paddock for Stroman, particularly if I was counting on Paddock to be this key cog in my pitching staff, and I don't feel like I have enough without him, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Last name I'm going to ask you about, Zach Plesak, who got bombed his last time out. Would you trade your Marcus Stroman for Zach Plesak? Yeah. I kind of feel like they can be similar pitchers. Stroman obviously has more of a track record. I would not make that move right now. I would I would keep Marcus Stroman uh, I over would, Zach Plesak. I would take Plesak to have a better whip by pretty substantial margin, and to have more strikeouts. The ERA might be similar. The strikeouts I could see being in Plesak's favor. The whip, I don't know. 
Uh, he's he's looked pretty bad thus far. Not that you know we yeah, want to judge too good, much. Well, he's had one bad start, Frank. Two of the starts were yeah, very good, but his two good starts were against Detroit. So it's you know, what do we make of that? Yeah, fine, but you know, I don't know. I I stand by what I say. Lower lower whip for police act, more strikeouts. Fair enough. Hey, FBT listeners, just wanted to let you know about what's going on at CBS Sports HQ this week. As always, CBS Sports HQ is your home to start your sports news day with live updates kicking off each morning at 8 a.m. Eastern time. And HQ is always your home ahead of the evening's action with live picks from the best analysts and cappers in the sports world each day at 6 p.m. Eastern time. But as we get closer to the NFL draft, make sure to leave HQ on all day for the latest NFL news, rumors, and mock drafts ahead of round one on April 29th. Think of HQ as your ultimate NFL draft war room. So check out HQ on your computer on CBSSports.com or via the CBS Sports app on your mobile phone or TV. It's always free. It's always on CBS Sports HQ. Some news and notes, Scott. Everybody is hurt. We are doing this again. The Nationals placed Steven Strasburg on the 10-day IL with right shoulder inflammation on Sunday. Of course, he was supposed to start on Sunday, so he was scratched. And I guess that camera that caught him kind of rubbing something on his shoulder, neck area after his last start, yeah, there clearly was something going on. So don't drop Steven yeah. Strasburg, but I don't. there's nothing really else you can do. I think you just hold him. Yeah. Hopefully you have an IL spot yeah. in a league where I don't have an IL spot. I would... The move didn't go through, but I was ready to drop Framber Valdez before I dropped Strasburg. Because yeah, we don't know the severity of it. The fact that they didn't, that they downplayed it initially, um, and it's it's being ruled inflammation, right? Not like yep. a that's you know that vague language like that. I usually I usually take to mean a pretty small thing. So yeah, you want to hold on to Strasburg. Ronald Acuna left Sunday Night Baseball with an abdominal strain. Uh, we don't know much as of now, so pay attention on Monday. There is an early game at 11 a.m. Eastern time, so hopefully your league doesn't lock your entire lineup for the first game. It's usually whenever that team plays. So I believe the Braves are off on Monday, so that definitely helps things. Uh, Scott, did you see any other updates on Acuna? Well, they, they said it's not definitely an IL situation, but they need to have him examined more. Bryce Wilson, for whatever it's worth, said it's it's not as bad as it sounds. All right, Doctor Bryce Wilson. I don't know. <laughs> Thanks, Doctor Bryce. He was he was not uh, he was not performing surgery against the Cubs. I can tell you that. <laughs> After missing five straight games, the Brewers finally placed Christian Yelich on the ten day IL with back tightness. Scott, what is your concern level? It feels like Yelich deals with a back situation every year. It pops up. Yeah, I, I'm less concerned about the back than the fact that the strikeouts have still been out of control for him like they were last year. And I don't think there's really anything you could do about it. Just he's he's your guy. And you don't definitely don't want to undersell him based on, in his case, less than a two-week sample, right? Because of the amount he's already set out. Yeah. Um, I, I understand if you're concerned, but I think you just have to wait it out. And I think the back issue, the fact that they delayed the IL stint for so long, I mean, it's it's going to be a short stay. The White Sox placed Lance Lynn on the 10-day IL retroactive to April 17th with a strained right trap. The expectation is that he will only miss one start. Gary Sanchez exited Saturday's game after getting hit by a foul ball, a foul tip in his right hand. He was held out of the lineup 
on Sunday. So we're awaiting more news for Gary Sanchez. He's day-to-day as of now. Cody Bellinger originally went on the IL with a left calf contusion because he was it was uh, he was uh, spiked by spiked, a, by a yeah. cleat uh, at first base. It turns out now that he has a hairline fracture in his left fibula. There was no timetable given, but he will miss more time than expected. So another situation, there's nothing you can do. You're just holding Bellinger, stash him on your IL. But man, those players on the IL are really, really adding up now. So there's going to be some it's probably time for me to write a ranking the IL, st- IL stashes column. It's yeah. always a favorite because people, you know, you're right, Scott. It's it's stashes exactly because people are holding on to Framber Valdez and Luis Severino and Noah Syndergaard, and they thought, all right, well, you know, I'll just stash these guys as part of the you know the early part of the season. But now there's just so many injuries; it's it's yeah. making life really difficult. No, it's, what's really a problem is those NFBC leagues. Oh, with no right. IL, yeah, it's tough. <laughs> the, the benches are fairly small, and there are no ILs. I hate that. They hate force that. you to okay. make the tough decisions, Scott. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's tough. Don't like that. Don't D- like that. The D-backs placed Tim LaCasher on the IL with a dislocated left pinky finger. Nick Heath started in center field on Sunday, former Kansas City Royal. He had 60 steals in the minors in 2019. Nick Heath did. He is 0% rostered. Scott, any interest in Nick Heath in the deepest of leagues? He went three for four Sunday and attempted a steal, but he was caught. I I, I mean, I, I yeah, we're talking deepest of leagues. Um. This is need steals. I I could see that, but fifteen team, roto or NL only. That's the only leagues I can imagine. Right, right, yeah. That's because because I feel like he'll be such a specialist, and and you know the playing time might be short lived anyway. But you know, steals are nice to have for sure. The Braves placed Drew Smiley on the ten day IL with left forearm information on information inflammation on Friday. Buster Posey is day-to-day after suffering an elbow contusion. He was not in the lineup on Sunday. Stalling Marte was removed Sunday as well after an awkward swing. It looked like an oblique, which makes me pretty pessimistic about his status for this upcoming week. So should get more information on that on Monday. And he was off to a great start too. So it's tough situation there for Stalling Marte and his Fantasy managers. Byron Buxton was slated to return this weekend on Saturday from his mild hamstring strain before the Twins had their game on Saturday postponed. They also had Sunday and already Monday's game against the Oakland A's postponed as well. They had three positive COVID tests over the weekend. Scott, would you risk keeping your Minnesota Twins or Oakland A's in your lineup, the team that's expected to face them, at least for the early part of the week? Well... I mean, obviously, depends how shallow it is, what your alternatives are. Um, I would, you know, really fringy guys for your league, depending on the context of it. Probably not. I'd probably look for a way to take them out. If you're talking like Nelson Cruz, you know, I'd probably find a way to have him in. What, what's another example? Um, would you leave Byron Buxton in? He's he's been awesome. Yeah, well, certainly in five outfielder leagues, three outfielder leagues. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I I mean, it's not a definite yes or no. They, they tentatively have a doubleheader schedule for Tuesday. Kind of feel like the chances are better than not that they follow through on that. So I guess take that and do what you will with it. Yeah, everyone else on the Twins is kind of fringy, I feel like, anyway. Luis Arise, 
Josh Donaldson, Max Kepler, Jorge Polanco. They're fine players, but I feel like they're on the fringe, so you can replace right. those. And, and pretty much the whole athletics lineup, right? Who's their best hitter? Mark Canna? <laughs> well, obviously, there's Matt Olson and Chapman, but... Yeah, Ramon Laureano's um, been awesome, so I, I think in five outfielder yeah, leagues, you have to leave him in. Yeah. So, anything shallower, you know, three outfielder leagues, 12-team points leagues, yeah, you can... I think you could probably bench Ramon Laureano. It's It sucks because he's been great, but... It's it's a tough situation right now. And speaking of which, the Astros, we know last week, Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, Jordan Alvarez, they were all placed on the COVID IL. We don't know if they've actually t- uh, tested positive or if they are just close contacts, but apparently they were slated to begin individual drills, but we still don't know when we will see them. So Scott, Altuve, Bregman, and Jordan Alvarez, how do you feel about starting or sitting those gentlemen? I mean, unless you have somebody awesome to replace them with. It's going to be pretty uh, tough because those yeah, guys are great. Exactly. <laughs> I, I plan on starting. I, I don't have any Alvarez. I have some Bregman and a little bit Altuve. I, I plan on starting them all in my leagues. Uh, I think we heard earlier that Tuesday was the target date for them. And if they're beginning drills, I imagine that's still the target date for them. So I would probably stick with them. The D-backs were called reliever J.B. Bukowskis from the team's alternate training site on Sunday. He had an awesome spring, 7-2 and two shutout, 3 hits, 14 strikeouts to 0 walks. And I think he can work his way into a potential closer mix for Arizona. So just remember the name. You don't need to add him now, but in deeper leagues. J.B. Bukowskis. Trent Grisham was scratched on Sunday with a tight quad. He is day-to-day. Mike Moustakis missed the Reds' entire weekend series dealing with a non-COVID-related illness. Jay Bruce, he retired after Sunday's game. He hadn't been playing for the Yankees after they traded for Rugnet Odor, so <laughs> farewell, Jay Bruce. Actually, if you're had getting a- benched for Rugnet Odor, it's probably time to retire. Yeah, solid career for Jay Bruce, though, so give it up for him. Yeah. There is, I mentioned, an 11 a.m. game on Monday between the White Sox and Red Sox, so if you have any of those players, make sure you either get them in or out of your lineup based on who you want starting, obviously. And some good news after all this. Manager Scott Cervais of the Mariners said he expects Kyle Lewis to be activated either Monday or Tuesday after dealing with a knee injury. Some more hitter ads, Scott. We talked about Joey Votto at the top. Zach McKinstry, who is the most viewed player on CBS right now. People are trying to figure out who the heck is Zach McKinstry. That's actually a text message that I received from Adam Azer today. He said, who the is Zach McKinstry? And I said, my actual answer was random jag breakout that the Dodgers always find. So they did it with Max Muncie. They did it with Justin Turner. Is that what's actually happening here, Scott? Zach McKinstry, he's batting 304 with three home runs. He's 56% roster on CBS. He has second base and outfield eligibility. He's been playing pretty regularly with Bellinger on the IL and AJ Pollock was banged up, but returned on Sunday. Yeah, I just have a feeling the playing time is going to evaporate at some point. They they are finding ways to get him in the lineup. Of course, it was largely when Mookie Betts was absent that, that he found his way into the lineup, and, and Betts isn't absent anymore. So with Pollock back too, and, and obviously they need to find at-bats for Chris Taylor, I, I, I suspect there will be a short shelf life to this. The minor league track record is... Solid. He always walked a lot, which is nice. Um, had kind of a power breakthrough in 2019 where they had the juiced ball. 
in the PCL. So, you know, you got to take that with a grain of salt. I don't think McKinstry is going to have value in the long run. I I put in some claims for him in my 15-team leagues because, uh, frankly, the bats have been really lacking in the early going on the waiver wire, which is why I threw all that money at Naquin. Didn't throw nearly as much as at McKinstry. Didn't win him. But I'll, I'll, I'll probably be happy about that in the long run. So McKinstry is not a must-add in, say, 12-team no. points leagues? Nope. I wouldn't say so, would you? I don't think so. But I, in deeper leagues, the ones that you're bringing up, sure, yeah. I, I like the versatility offers, second base, outfield eligibility. He's performing well now. It's cheap exposure to probably the best lineup in baseball in the Dodgers. So, yeah, I mean, I think you could pick him up in those deeper leagues and, and ride him while he's hot. But I do not think that he's a must-add in, you know, 12-team points leagues or anything shallower than that. How about Jazz Chisholm and Eduardo Escobar? Are these players must-add? Scott, I mean, Chisholm, coming into the year, we, you know, we're we worried about, you know, there's a lot of swing and miss in his game. He's walking a ton right now. The strikeout ah. rate actually hasn't been terrible. He has three homers and three steals. He, he looks like a player. And Eduardo Escobar, I'm not going to say he's all the way back to his, his 2019 self when he broke out and he was awesome, but... I think it's what six home runs he already has. So between Jazz mm-hmm. and Eduardo, are are they must add? They're pretty close. Yeah, I would say they're they're pretty much right there. I'm more excited about Jazz Chisholm. I think there's a higher ceiling there. Certainly the steals potential. I'm skeptical that he can maintain anywhere close to this walk rate and even the strikeout rate, twenty five percent. I mean, if he's a twenty five percent strikeout rate, he guy, he's probably a stud because. That's that's really the biggest concern about him is, is he going to make enough contact? So far, he has. He's hit the ball really hard. His X slug is 737, higher than the actual slug. So I, I think you got to take a shot on the upside right now. And and uh, if, if, he ends up, if he ends up getting buried by strikeouts later, fine. You move on. But, like, it's it's rare that you get this kind of upside, this, this shot at upside on the waiver wire. And... And he's actually performing right now. You know, it's not it's not like a Joe Adele situation where okay, I got to take a shot on the upside, and then he, he you take a big zero from him for several weeks before moving on. You know, I don't think it'll be like that with Jazz Chisholm. Obviously, he's going well. Yeah, and, and the tools are just they just pop off the screen too. He hit a, I think it was I don't know how far it was, but it was oh a 100 mile per hour Jacob Degrom. It's like a high fastball that he actually still got under, and he hit it out last weekend. So. He's been really fun to watch so far. Uh, someone actually DM'd me today, Scott, and they asked, "Would you rather? Would you continue to stash Wander Franco, or would you pick up Jazz Chisholm?" And, and it was a tough question for me. Yeah, that is a tough one. But I think I would go with Jazz. Just like we're hoping that Wander Franco is up soon, but we really mm-hmm. don't have any indication that it's going we to happen. We're we just don't know. We don't know. Gosh, yeah. there's got to be somebody else you can drop, right? I don't think. <laughs> I don't think I would. If the other if player just, was Ty pick, France, the other one was Ty France. So I said definitely keep Ty France. Yeah, and then I said I, I would go with Jazz over over Franco. I, I think if this, you know, obviously if you need if you have a hole in your lineup that you need filled immediately, Jazz Chisholm's going to do that better than Wander Franco. But if you're, you're it, it's a bench speculating on upside pickup. Yeah, I think I'd probably stick with Franco. Who would you rather add between Jazz or Eduardo Escobar, who does now have second base eligibility as well on CBS? Certainly in categories league, Chisholm, because of the steals potential. Mm-hmm. In a points league, I think I would still lean Chisholm. Me too. But it's a, it's a closer call. 
Yeah. And I know you said that you are skeptical of the walk rate, but Chisholm, he had some double digit walk rates in the minors. So I look, it's not going to remain 19%. I, I agree with that, yeah. but it 2019 and double a 11%, 2019 also in double a, when he came over to the Marlins, 11%. So, I mean, he's, he's walked a good amount in the minor leagues. Again, that is jazz Chisholm. What about, Joey Wendell Scott, who had a great weekend, six hits in their weekend series against the Yankees, including two home runs. He's 42% rostered and offers great flexibility. Second shortstop, third base eligibility for Joey Wendell. He plays six games this upcoming week. What's your interest level there? Yeah, this is probably some unfortunate timing for Wander Franco because that's <laughs> Wendell's spot is where he most likely slots in. So that's not great. Uh, as far as Wendell himself, like he hasn't stolen a base yet, and that's probably the most interesting thing about him. Not that he's going to be a huge base dealer, but he's going to contribute a little bit of that, a little bit of home runs. It's a batting a batting average that isn't half bad. I mean, he's. I don't think he's turned over a new leaf or anything, and is on the verge of stardom. I think he's just hot right now. But he's a competent player. If you need, if you need competence like that. And that is Joey Wendell, 42% rostered. He's fine. It just He doesn't have much upside, I don't think, uh, but can right. contribute some batting average. Definitely would rank him behind Jazz Chisholm and Eduardo Escobar. Would you rank him behind Zach McKinstry? Rest of season, no. For this upcoming week, yes. I'd rather have McKinstry for, for in the moment. A few other veterans available, Scott. Cole Calhoun hit his first home run this weekend, and Starlin Castro has seven hits over his last five games, including back-to-back multi-hit games. Both are 54% rostered. Both are not really all that exciting. Uh, is there one that you like more than the other, Cole Calhoun or Starlin Castro? Yeah, I, I would say Calhoun. He's delivered a big home run total the past years. 16 last year in the shortened season, and then 33 the year before. So that's more interesting to me, particularly because I was noting this. Um, I was noting this today. So far, the league-wide batting average is two thirty something. Two thirty-six. Two thirty. Two thirty-six. Okay, thank you. Which is the lowest it's been. And I think I, I don't even know when. As far as far back as I was willing to look. Basically, all the offense that's happening is home runs. And, you know, obviously it's kind of been a three true outcomes game for a while, but like getting even more so to the point that my teams that are doing well are the ones that have happened to hit a bunch of home runs so far. Not necessarily the ones with the most home run hitters. Some of them haven't come around yet, but, you know, the ones that just happen to have a lot of home runs, they're doing well (laughs) in the offensive categories and the ones that aren't, not so much. So that kind of makes me want to prioritize players who that's like, clearly their strength because I feel like those are the guys you I, I can the only guys I can count on right now. So that's why uh that's part of the reason why I lean Calhoun there. Um really more than lean. I definitely prefer Calhoun to Starlin Castro. How about any of the Pirates, Scott? We've I feel like we just always dump on the Pirates, so let's give them some love when they're performing well. And you know, Colin Moran is he's looking good so far. Brian Reynolds has bounced back to this point uh, based on what we were expecting from him last year. And then yeah. there is Adam Frazier and Gregory Polanco, who also had nice weekends. So any interest in, in, in those names? Colin Moran, Brian Reynolds, Adam Frazier, Gregory Polanco. 
I I would say Reynolds most definitely because he looks like he's bouncing back to who he was in 2019, and that was close to being a must-start option even in those three outfielder leagues. And somebody who can maybe make a difference. Well, I, I would say actually batting average is his best category. So um, he's, deli- he's one of the few who's delivering in that regard. Uh, Moran's kind of interesting because he's elevating the ball better than he ever has before. And he's had some kind of underlying numbers in the past, um, but wasn't really, didn't really have quite the, the power, power launch angle. So, I don't know, small sample, obviously, but maybe he's figured something out. And he tricked us a little bit last year. I remember there was a span, it was early in the season where Colin Moran was performing, and I picked mm-hmm. him up in a few leagues, and it, it didn't really amount to anything. But, yeah, I mean, so far this year, he is he's making hard contact. He's got a two ninety nine expected batting average, five fourteen expected slug. A lot of strikeouts. Yes. But that, that, I mean, the fact that he still has such a high expected batting average, even with all those strikeouts, shows you the quality of contact he's making. For sure. Yeah. And I, I picked him up in a, a 15 team Roto League, starting him as my corner infielder. And all right with him there. Anything shallower, you probably don't need to. And speaking of those deeper leagues, got a few names that just jumped out to me this weekend. Willie Calhoun re- returned for the Texas Rangers. For years, man. I, I have wanted Willie Calhoun to be a thing for so long, as as long as I can remember. Uh, he did return with two hits on Saturday, didn't play on Sunday against a lefty, so maybe part of a platoon. Uh, he is 28% rostered. Francisco Mejia, he's performing well. He's just not really playing all that much. So he went two for four with his first home run, I think it was on Saturday, against the Yankees. He only started three out of seven games for the Tampa Bay Rays this past week, though, so... That is unfortunate. He's 18% rostered. DJ Stewart is a name that I looked at in a few deeper leagues because he does have some pop. And the leagues where I'm struggling on offense in the hitting categories, I I, I need pop. So DJ Stewart is playing and he's 3% rostered. Any interest, Scott? Willie Calhoun, Francisco Mejia, DJ Stewart. That's probably how I'd rank them. Okay. And I probably just for 15-team leagues like for right now. But I, I think the one with the best chance of Emerging as more as Willie Calhoun, who, of course, we've hyped several years over. It might be a platoon right now, but if he hits it, I don't think it will be for long. And um, it's nice to see him get two hits in his return. He, he had a pretty horrible spring. And he had a pretty horrible 2020 as well. But as you might remember, it was during when spring training first started up last year. He got hit in the face with a fastball from Julio Arias, 95 mile per hour fastball. And he had to have surgeries, like some kind of reconstruction stuff going on with his face. So uh, I, I think you kind of give him a pass for last year, but it looked like he was on the verge of a breakout in 2019. He hit 269 with 21 home runs and an 848 OPS. Again, the name Willie Calhoun, only in deeper leagues as of now in those five outfielder leagues. I wanted to bring up Michael Taylor because some people might be thinking about dropping him, Scott. He's two for 20 over his last six games. But the StatCast numbers still look really strong for Michael Taylor. So I just wanted to highlight him. And if you're thinking about dropping him in three outfielder leagues, you probably can. He's only 40% rostered. So I don't know that he's even rostered in those leagues anyway. But in those five outfielder leagues, I would hold on to Michael Taylor. There's still some nice stuff there under the hood. Yeah. Uh, wow. Even So a 334 XBA, a 661 X slug. That's more than just nice. Yeah. He's hitting the ball hard. And he has two steals, too. Those have come even when he's been hitting poorly. What do we do with these hitters, Scott, who are off to slow starts? Should we be benching them right now? Glaber Torres. 
I'm not ready to say that Glaber Torres is just kind of living off of that 2019, what he did against the Baltimore Orioles, but it's kind of hard to defend anything else about him, right? It's Well, he the year before, 2018, it was... His pace numbers were similar. I mean, the 24 home runs and 431 at bats in yes. 2018. So you know that's three quarters of a season. So he projected for 32 home runs that year instead of the 38 he hit in 2019. So like he he basically did the same thing two years in a row. And then uh, what? <laughs> well, yeah, it's just and then last year he's a 724 OPS. This year so far, I mean. It's a small sample, I get it, but we yeah. kind of need to see him do something after such such a bad season that he had last year, right? So, yeah, I mean, look, if you got a Eduardo Escobar, Jazz Chisholm just sitting around, you want to you want to go with the hot hand play? I can understand that, but in the long run, I think Labor Torres is well. I, I guess I named two second basemen there. He's only shortstop eligible, but you know what I mean. And and there's probably fewer hot hands at shortstop actually. Um, in the long run, I still think. Torres is going to be a top 12 guy. Okay. But you'd be all right benching him in, in shallower leagues right now? If you have somebody who just has to get in the lineup, yeah. Okay. I'm just going to run through a few other names. You tell me whether or not you'd be benching them, and, and if so, I guess, you know, what, what league depth that is. Carlos Santana and Jorge Soler just look completely lost for the Kansas City Royals. Would you drop uh, drop or bench either? Uh, I think you could drop Soler in like a points league or a three outfielder league. Uh, I, I'm re- You probably can Santana too, just because I don't think anybody would pick him up, but like commonly a slow starter and always ends up top 12 in points leagues with the exception of last year, always ends up top 12 at the position. So uh, I'd like to find a way to hold on to him. Obviously deeper leagues like our standard Roto league. I, th- I think it's pretty obvious you hold on to both. How about Alec Bohm, Scott, who had a 32% strikeout rate entering Sunday, which it's not really like him. It's, at every level, he's made a lot of contact. So would you bench Bohm right now? I wouldn't be... I wouldn't have a problem with it. Uh, I, I know I have him in a points league, and I'm probably going to start him just because I don't have anybody better. But if you do, that's that's fine. Don't Not ready to drop him, but mm-hmm. bench him for, I don't know, Benjamin for Escobar, if you if you have room for to roster both, mm-hmm. I would not drop Bohm for Escobar. But if I had room to roster both, I could see starting Escobar over Bohm. I agree with that. How about Yoan Moncada? Would you do the same thing? Uh, yeah, I think so. Eugenio Suarez, another one, Scott. Just he's off to a terrible start. I, I wonder if it's is he bringing any of the stuff from fielding, playing, you know, going back to shortstop, and you know, he's made a few errors there already. He entering Sunday, he was batting 188 with a 34% strikeout rate. I mean, it's possible. It's also possible, you know, he's just off to a slow start. I, I think my level of trust in Suarez is higher that probably going to ride him through thick and thin, personally. We're going to hit a quick break, but I do want to remind everyone to go check out our Fantasy Baseball Today newsletter. Dan Schneier and myself, we... Tag team that bad boy. And uh, it, look, it's a lot of what we talk about here on the podcast. It's written out news and notes. Uh, there are stats that I have from the rundown here. We, we throw it on the newsletter as well. 
Uh, it's just good to read in conjunction with, if you listen to the podcast, you watch the podcast, uh, just go to cbssports.com slash newsletters slash fantasy baseball today, and you can sign up for free. Just punch your email in, and that will be sent to your email inbox every single morning. Again, that is for free, the Fantasy Baseball Today newsletter, and also our Facebook group. A lot of discussion going on there right now. People asking good questions, starter sick questions, trade questions, uh, some dynasty discussion as well. Facebook.com slash groups slash fantasy baseball today is the link for that. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to move over to the pitcher side here on fantasy baseball today. The all new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Potential starting pitcher ads that I wanted to talk about, Scott. Andrew Heaney. I was surprised to see that his roster percentage is a 65%, but five and a third over this weekend against the Minnesota Twins, two earned, six strikeouts, and he's going up against Texas this week. It's a really good matchup. I feel like Heaney should be rostered in more than 65% of leagues. It won't be Texas if Otani comes back Tuesday, which is right now is, is, is what the schedule is showing. Okay. But he may be worth picking up anyway. He did only have 10 swinging strikes in this start over the weekend. A lot more fastball than... And fewer curveballs than he threw during that great nine strikeout effort. So it's still, it's still not clear. He has, he doesn't seem to have a clear plan for attack. And given his track record, that's concerning. But I, I don't know. I think sixty five percent is about right. Not sure who I'd drop for him. Would you drop Marco Gonzalez for him? Yeah, I could do that. Yeah, Marco Gonzalez is seventy five percent rostered. So about 10% more. I do have a few drop candidates here that I was going to bring up. Zach Davies is still 64% rostered. I wouldn't mind dropping him. Kwang Hyun Kim, 56% rostered. That seems way high. I know he just returned. Yeah, I never believed in that guy. Yeah. Never. Uh, Jake Odorizzi, another one, 59% rostered over the weekend. Four earned runs over four and a third innings against the yep. Mariners. So I'd be okay dropping. Don't, don't get the hype for the, don't get the Odorizzi hype either. How about Tristan McKenzie? Would you drop him, Scott? He's 86% rostered. He's getting a lot of whiffs this year. He has a 14% swinging strike rate. He's also walking everybody. He has 10 walks in 12 and two-thirds innings. Tristan McKenzie, would you drop him for Yeah, and I Heaney? think uh, I think his fastball velocity, for, despite getting a lot of whiffs and mostly on the fastball, his fastball velocity is down, yeah, like three miles per hour from a year ago. So I don't know what's going on with that. 
I also worry that he's just going to be a five-inning pitcher, if that, because uh, that's kind of how it went for him last year, and it's clear they're preserving his innings. So I do think McKenzie's droppable. I don't think he's must-roster. He's probably about the same as Heaney for me in terms of how much I want to roster them. I, if I had McKenzie already, I think I'd just stick with him. Sure. Between uh, those two. What do you make of this Michael Kopech start, Scott? I think it's... It probably was just because, okay, they needed a, a pitcher for the doubleheader, so he started the second game for the White Sox on Sunday, and he was going up against his former team, actually, the Boston Red Sox, the team that drafted him. And three innings pitched, one hit, one earned, one walk, five, uh, four strikeouts for Michael Kopech. And this actually caught my eye from their, the game recap on MLB.com from Megan Garcia, who wrote it. And she said, Kopech made a strong impression in the start to the point that LaRusa emphasized he will be in the starting rotation down the road. 57% rostered for Michael Kopech. Yeah, the original plan was to keep him in the in the uh in the bullpen all year and down the road, I don't know exactly what that means. Like he won't be in the bullpen for his entire career. Okay. <laughs> and that doesn't mean anything. You know, it's just such a vague or, or maybe he means, you know, in midsummer they'll be looking to get Kopech in as a full-time starter. But yeah, obviously only went three innings as well as he pitched, and he, they don't see him as stretched out right now. I think it's a short stay. Maybe he gets one more turn, uh, Lance Lynn being out of the rotation. But I, I don't think they're ready to make him a full-time starter, especially since, I mean, I guess he could replace Dylan Cease, but there's not a... I don't, I don't think they'd do that. Entering Sunday, he had 13 strikeouts and seven and two thirds innings pitched with an 18% swinging strike rate. So there's optimism. I get it over Kopech, and he comes with the prospect pedigree. But yeah, I mean, down the road, it's we 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 just don't know what it means. So uh, I would, I think, in, in deeper category leagues, I probably just want him in my lineup all the time if you if you can afford to. I know people like to have closers and and they want to get saves in, but I, I think he's going to give you really strong ratios and strikeouts. So if that's something you're looking for. I think Kopech can provide that, and and the upside could be very high if he works his way into the rotation. So just wanted to mention that for him. Uh, Anthony DiScofani was at the Marlins this weekend, Scott. Six innings of one-run ball, four strikeouts, only had six whiffs, but he's been great so far over his first three with the San Francisco Giants. 38% rostered. The problem is he is at the Phillies this week. What do you do with DiScofani? Yeah, I added him to the uh, number 10 in my top 10 sleeper pitchers for this next week just because others like Nick Pavetta disqualified themselves over the weekend. <laughs> um, it's not a ringing endorsement. I'd rather not have to start Desclafani, but two quality starts in a row. The Giants have... They re- they seem to know what they're doing. Like they're, They've kind of become what Ray Searage used to be for the Pirates where he'd get these guys who were once thought to have, have upside and kind of washed out with other organizations and he'd, he'd, he'd figure out a way to get something out of them. And that, that's kind of what the Giants have become. And maybe they're going to do that with Desclafani. Too early to tell. But it's nice to see back-to-back quality starts. Something I noticed for Desclafani entering this season, his career, his career in Great American Ballpark, he had a 4.94 ERA. Outside of Great American Ballpark, a 3.61. So, you know, pitching in Oracle and San Fran, it's bigger ballpark. I think it's something yep. that can help him. So I'm intrigued. Yep. I just don't really love the the matchup this week at the Phillies. How about Kyle Gibson? Scott, I mean, if you pick this guy up for a two-star week, uh, you are loving it. Eight shutout, 
at the no, he was at home against the Orioles. Eight shutout with six strikeouts to zero walks for Kyle Gibson. The Arsenal really deep so far this year. He threw six different pitches on Sunday at least eight times each. So 27% rostered. The problem, similar to Descalfani, is he's at the White Sox this week. So what do we do with Kyle Gibson? Yeah, I uh, I I don't know that I'd start him. I kind of wish I didn't downplay him as a two-star guy. He wasn't my sleepers gallon, but I not with a lot of gusto behind it, you know? Mm-hmm. So I wish he'd throw a slider more because he, he didn't have many whiffs in this start, but five of them came on 15 sliders, which is a good whiff rate for that pitch. But, you know, Kyle Gibson's been around a while, and I think I think he's difficult to trust, even though he had two good starts this week. Who would you rather add between DeSclafani and Gibson? DeSclafani? Nice. What about Luke Weaver? He's, I guess he's in this range. He's 37% rostered. He wasn't great over the weekend. Four innings, four earned with just three strikeouts. He had six whiffs on 94 pitches, exclusively throwing his fastball and changeup this year. The, one, the biggest improvement I've noticed from Scott is the control has been much better for Weaver. Only one walk over his first three starts. Same problem for him. He's at the Braves this week. We were getting a lot of questions about Luke Weaver. Oh, you got to talk about Luke Weaver. It's just, there's not really anything in the numbers that say he's improved outside of the walk rate. Yeah, he had that one great outing two turns ago, but then got, got beat up pretty bad this weekend. So I'm not seeing a lot to get excited about. Uh, I, I think he's probably better off with just the two pitches, but I, I that's going to hamper his ability to go deep into games. So I don't think he's going to be that usable this year. I would agree on Luke Weaver. I, I was going to get Adam to record a bunch of different sound bites for things he used to sing and just kind of play them. So I'll make it yeah, happen. Yeah, you should do that. Make it happen eventually. Some deeper league names, starting pitchers that you might want to add. Michael Waka over the weekend. Wow, so happy I went to the Yankee game on Friday. I got to see Michael Waka look like Jacob DeGrom, so that was fun. He threw six shutout against the Yankees. One hit, two walks, nine strikeouts. He is 18% rostered. He is at the Kansas City Royals this week. JT Brubaker at the Brewers. Six innings of one-run ball with eight strikeouts. He is at Detroit this week. I like that quite a bit. It's a nice matchup. Aaron Sanchez, uh, four and two-thirds of one-run ball against the Marlins. And he is also going up against the Marlins this week. Jose Urania. Seven innings, two runs, eight strikeouts. Good game. I don't know if you can trust it, but going up against the Pirates. So a nice matchup potentially there as well. Alex Wood, five shutout on Sunday. made his season debut. I think his Giants debut, actually. And he is going up against the Marlins later this week. And Eric Fetty, five innings of one-run ball with nine strikeouts this weekend. And he will presumably stay in the rotation because the injury to Strasburg uh, at the Mets. So between Waka, Brubaker, Aaron Sanchez, Jose Urania, Alex Wood, and Eric Fetty, Scott, do you like any of these pitchers? Not that much. Not that <laughs> much. I'm curious what the Tampa Bay Rays can get out of Michael Waka. Obviously, this was a great start. Struggling lineup, but nonetheless, one hit, 9Ks, 18 whiffs. Uh, it it kind of stands alone in the outings we've seen from Waka this year. So I'm not moving to pick him up or anything, but that's probably the most interesting one of this group for me. Alex Wood, of course, is is a player I have not been able to get over over the years, and I like that he was averaging 91 on his fastball in this start, which is closer to the high end of what he's thrown than the low end. 
And generally, when he's been more successful, he's he's been in that range. But and again, he's with the Giants, who you know just talked about uh, what I think of them with the pitching. So something to watch, but I'm I'm not moving after just this one start. Fair enough. Let's do some starter sit for some. Uh, I'm not going to say not all these starting pitchers are fringy, but. You might have some question marks as to whether or not you want to start them. And we'll start with uh, Sonny Gray, who made his debut this weekend. Four and a third of two-run ball with six strikeouts. Got the pitch count up to 71. Starter sit at the Cardinals this week, Scott. For I don't think he's must start, but I'd probably start him unless you're just stacked with pitching. How about Jordan Montgomery, who has now allowed eight earned runs over his last two starts, but the peripheral numbers still look pretty good. He is at Cleveland this week. I'd lean start on him, too. It's just a leaning, though. Scott. Matthew Boyd. He looks pretty good. He was at the Oakland A's on Sunday. Seven and a third pitch. Innings pitch with four hits, two earned, five strikeouts. Not getting a lot of whiffs, but he has delivered three straight quality starts. He is at the Royals this week. Starter sit Matthew Boyd. Uh, I I still think this is all going to blow up in his face, because... Let me see. Is he still is he still as extreme of a fly ball pitcher? Yeah, he is. Yeah. Yeah. The ground ball rate is basically exactly the same as the past two years. I don't know. I, I think it's all gonna fall apart for him. He has a four sixty one XFIP. Yeah. I I'll pass. I'll start him. I will start Matthew Boyd at, at the Kansas City Royals in, in in deeper leagues. You probably don't need to start him in a twelve team points league, but He's, he's going deep into the starts right now. Dane Dunning, you want to talk about someone who actually went deeper than we're used to. Uh, six mm-hmm. shutout against the Baltimore Orioles this weekend with five strikeouts, 12 whiffs on 75 pitches. He's 53% rostered, so you actually can add him too. The problem is he's at the White Sox, so I don't know if you want to add him and start him in that matchup. Revenge game. True. White Sox. True. Nah, I, I, w- I wouldn't... You know, he he got through six innings, threw only seventy five pitches. I I still don't know that the Rangers are ready to treat him like a conventional starter, but he's been great so far, and he, he's pretty much ditched the four seam fastball, which was, you know, when when he first got called up last year, he was getting a lot of swinging strikes, and it was mostly that four seamer and the slider, and then he kind of went away from them into a a, uh, a the the two seamer and the changeup didn't get nearly as many whiffs, so I didn't like that. But now he's kind of taken, he's going the two-seamer and the slider. Slider's giving him the whiffs. The two-seamer, I mean, clearly he has more confidence in it than the four-seamer. I think he said, I saw Nando tweeted out something over the weekend about how he added the four-seamer against left-handers, but it wasn't really working. So I I think he's done with the four-seamer. But I don't know. This, This mix is working for him so far, so... Uh, I I think I'm more interested in Dunning in Dunning than I am in Boyd. I'll say that. How about Dunning versus Andrew Heaney? Who would you rather have between those two? Heaney. Fair enough. How about you say Kikuchi? He was up against the Astros this weekend, seven innings. So you like the uh, the volume that he gave you, but five earned runs. We're holding Kikuchi, right? Yes. Would you start or sit at Boston? I would. I probably sit. Probably sit. Waskar Inoa allowed six earned runs at the Cubs this weekend, Scott. He's still 60% rostered. He is going up against the Arizona Diamondbacks at home. 
Uh-huh. Yeah. Starter sit. I wouldn't start him. Oh, you wouldn't? No, I'm probably closer to s- dropping, you know, than starting him. I like the matchup I, against Arizona. Yeah. I don't know what happened against the Cubs. He he didn't throw it. He usually throws a slider like 50% of the time, and he only threw it like a quarter of the time. And I, he has not developed a level of trust with me yet to start him coming off that outing he just had. All right, let's do a little rapid fire with these starters. Dylan Cease versus the Texas Rangers this week. Cease and assist. Casey Mize versus the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> what? Uh, he is a top 10. He is in my top 10 sleeper pitchers, even though he wasn't good last time. So I guess that means you have to start him. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, Herm- well, no, I mean, I wouldn't. I don't think you have to start him, but like, I wouldn't be afraid to start him. Okay. Herman Marquez at home against the Phillies. I would lean sit, but I wouldn't be afraid to start him, Frank. <laughs> Robbie Ray at the Tampa Bay Rays. Unfortunately, had to add him to the 10 sleeper pitchers for this week, but I'd rather not. He's had the same control problems. You have a lot of confidence in your uh, in your sleepers this week. Well, it's just, it's kind of a stupid exercise, but oh, the people demand it. Uh, Brady Singer, <laughs> who was very good on Sunday, six shutout. He is at the Tigers this week. He's only 48% rostered. I would add Brady Singer. I like him. Yeah, Brady Singer. I worry because he's basically a two-pitch pitcher right now, too. Fastball slider. Sure is. Last two starts have been pretty good. I like this matchup. He is in my 10 sleeper pitchers for next week. And I like him more than Robbie Ray. And I like him more than whoever else I had in there. <laughs> I can't remember now. But I don't know. He's, he seems pretty fringy to me. Singer does. J-M-B. You know what that means. John means Business. Seven shutout on Sunday. Yes, he does. With nine strikeouts. Starter sit at home in Camden against the Oakland A's. Obviously start him. Come on. All right. How about Kyle Hendricks, who got bombed on Sunday Night Baseball? Seven earned runs over four innings pitched. He has now now allowed 10 earned runs with seven walks over his first three starts. Kind of been a weird start for Kyle Hendricks. He is at home against the Brewers this week. Yeah, and this was his first start, I think, since April 7th. That sounds so that would ex- right. That would explain why he's he was out of sync. Four home runs in the first inning to the Braves after a really strong start last time out. His velocity is also down this year, but I, I don't know that it matters that much with him. I would actually lean start with that matchup, Milwaukee. Yep, I'll no, trust him to come around. No Christian Yelich there, so definitely helps. Would you, is this one of the names that you would try to sell Marcus Stroman high for if you could? Yeah. I'd rather have Hendricks than Stroman still. Cool. Let's, uh, I just wanted to quickly highlight Steven Matz, who was just awesome again. I think he had like a no hitter going into the sixth inning on Saturday. So quality starts in each of his first three with the Toronto Blue Jays. And uh, he's doing a great job of limiting hard contact, a 2.57 expected ERA according to StatCast. So, Steven Matz is someone that will be rising up by rankings this week. My confidence is growing in him. A few sparps that I just wanted to ask you about, Scott, if you have any interest in a points league. Taylor Widener at the Reds. Jeff Hoffman at home against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Ryan Weathers, who made his first start for the Padres this weekend. He is going up against the, I don't have the matchup, so Ryan Weathers and uh, Cole Irvin at the Orioles. Do you like any of those as Sparp matchups. Not really. No. If if I wasn't 
None of them made it on my 10 sleeper pitchers for this upcoming week. And as you know, Frank, I'm not uh, I'm not keen on all the pitchers that did. Uh, Ryan Weathers is going up against the Milwaukee Brewers without Christian Yelich. So that is mildly interesting. Um, but yeah, not really much confidence here in these Sparps. Scott, there was a million other things that happened this weekend. Is there anything that you would like to highlight quickly before we wrap up? Well, Frank... Uh, Greg Holland got two saves over the weekend, right? Oh, I did have a bunch of bullpen stuff. Yeah, I should probably highlight yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Emmanuel Class A blew a save, but then he came right back and got one Sunday, so he seems pretty solid in that role. Uh, Stefan Crichton, did you mention this? Did not. We talked about, but we we, I know we talked about it off the air. Yeah, he got his first save and had been used the way a closer would be used for a while now, like, Ninth inning in some, I think in a tie game, and I think with like a four or five run lead. I, I think Crichton's the guy, at least until Joaquim Soria comes back. But I, I'd bet on Crichton for longer than that, actually. Um, he is only 10% rostered, so definitely in, in category yeah, I mean, leagues. Widely available. Get Crichton on your team. Yep, yep, yep. Jake McGee had a bad blown save, but it sounded like he was dealing with the effects of the vaccine, not feeling a hundred percent. He went on the IL after that, for that reason. So I want to worry about McGee. He's been one of the most bankable closers so far this year. Yes, indeed. He has Edwin Diaz picked up his first two saves of the season this past weekend. Diego Castillo got his fourth save for the Tampa Bay Rays on Saturday and uh, he was used in the 7th and the 8th inning on Sunday to face the top of the Yankees lineup. Jeffrey Springs got the save for Tampa Bay on Sunday, but I still do think Diego Castillo is the guy. Lou Trevino picked up a save on Friday. I believe he picked up a win on Sunday. Anything else? Yimmy Garcia got another save. Cesar Valdez got another save. So those guys we have mentioned before, and it seems like they are fully entrenched in their respective roles. Yimi Garcia had like a 50-point week as a closer. (laughs) That's wild. Two wins and three saves or something like that. Yeah. I I don't think he's getting enough. uh, He's still available in a lot of leagues. I think he he needs more attention because there's not really any alternatives in that bullpen. Yeah, no, he's he's been lights out thus far. And let's just highlight a few aces that were just ace-like. Max Scherzer, seven shutout with 10 strikeouts. Against the Diamondbacks, he was great. Aaron Nola, I mean, complete game shutout. Oh, so great. It's just two hits, 10 strikeouts to zero walks, 21 whiffs on Sunday for Aaron Nola. Uh, mentioned recently that he was using a new cutter. He did not throw it a single time in his complete game shutout. So I think the little cutter experiment's probably gone for now. Who needs it? Who needs it? Chain Bieber, we mentioned, had 13 strikeouts. He is great. Freddie Peralta, not an ace, but we should highlight five innings of three-run ball. He had seven strikeouts against the Pirates on Sunday. His fastball velocity was down about a mile and a half. So that's just a pay attention. It was 92.5 miles per hour on Sunday, and it was 94 in his first three starts. Again, that is Freddie Peralta. I would still be starting him as a spark this week at the Chicago Cubs. For Scott, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye! Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. 
Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.